Welcome to the Clear Choices Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Eigner, and it is my unique privilege to bring you intriguing conversations with people who have made the bold choices necessary to elevate their lives and create a positive impact on the world. By hearing their stories, I hope you walk away more motivated and more inspired to do the same in your life. Because we all have choices to make. My goal is to help inspire you to make more conscious and powerful choices, clear choices. Now let's get started. Hello, everybody, and welcome to our newest episode of Clear Choices. We have another fascinating guest for you today. His name is Diego Corzo. He's 29 years old. He's been featured in Forbes magazine as a top entrepreneur. He's been a speaker on TED Talks, which is something I want to accomplish for myself. And currently, he's living in Austin, Texas. He and his family immigrated to the United States when he was just nine years old from Peru. He's a graduate from Florida State University, was in the top 1% of his class, and has two degrees from that college. He started working in corporate America, but soon discovered that he was destined for more and pursued a career in real estate. He currently owns over 10 income properties and runs a large sales team and is well on his path to financial freedom. He aspires to help others, especially millennials, to become financially free and reach their full potential. Welcome, Diego. Thanks for being here on the show. Very excited to be here, and thank you very much for that well-done introduction. Uh, my pleasure. My pleasure. So, you know, I want to get something right off the table to begin with. So you, you came to this country when you were nine years old and that puts you in, tell me what category in terms of status here in this country. Yeah. So what's interesting is we came here with a tourist visa. So we came here legally. We were allowed to stay here for six months, but because of the situation that we were facing in Peru, my parents decided to just stay here. My, by that time, my parents had already jobs. So we overstayed our visas and that's when we became undocumented immigrants. Mm -hmm. And with that came a lot of challenges, but uh, I would say that the journey has definitely been worth it. Awesome. So talk, talk to us a little bit, if you don't mind about some of those challenges. Yeah. So right now I am what Congress calls a dreamer, which is basically Somebody who was brought here as a kid, whether it was legally or illegally, but they have gone through school, they've, they've become sort of Americanized, we speak English and all that stuff, but when we become adults, we are faced uh, with the challenge that we are undocumented. And now we are, as we speak in 2019, we're in limbo. Because right now, we don't know what's going to be happening in the future for us. There is no path for us to become American. But that's, that's what's going on right, right now in Congress. But one of the challenges, as after we became undocumented immigrants, I had no idea what it really meant. I overheard it through conversations with family as a kid and all that stuff. But it wasn't until I turned 16 years old when it was my turn to get my driver's license. And that's when I knew that I was going to be facing some obstacles because I, I go to the DNB, I give them all the documents that I thought were required. And they tell me that with those documents that I have, I couldn't get my driver's license. 
Mm-hmm. And it's a little bit challenging where like all your friends are getting their brand new cars or they're very happy with, uh, with their driver's license and their pictures, but I didn't have that opportunity. And at that point, I knew that my life was going to be a, li- a little bit challenging, but my parents always told me that, Diego, we, we always find a solution. We always find a way and you will be okay. Mm-hmm. So I put all my emphasis into school. And I was able to graduate from my high school class. I graduated third. I got into Florida State University. And as I was going through the application process and the scholarships, I found out that I couldn't qualify for any student loans or financial aid. So then I got into another obstacle where I'm graduating top of my class. I have the opportunity to get grants because of my grades to get scholarships but they wouldn't give me the money because I couldn't show my green card or that I was a citizen. Mm -hmm. Despite of that, I was able to have enough money to go to college for one year. And at that point, I knew that somehow I was going to have to figure out a way to make extra income. So I began to volunteer at a nonprofit. And as I'm going through, through the volunteering process, they say, Diego, you've helped us more as a freshman that wasn't seniors doing a year. So we want to hire you. I go, great, this is my opportunity. I go through the application process and I get a call and they tell me that because I don't have my work authorization, Mm -hmm. I couldn't work. Mm -hmm. So at the age of 19, I found myself with not being able to work, not being able to drive, not being able to get any student loans or financial aid, but I was still able to, in a form, continue to make the choice that I wanted to strive for my dreams and to not let my circumstances define me. Yeah, and that's a, a perfect segue I wanted to ask you. So, you know, you start seeing these obstacles come up for you more as you got older, 16, 19, mm-hmm. as the examples you gave. And now flash forward 10 years to being 29 and owning a successful business and owning uh, quite a bit of real estate and having created some success uh, you know, being acknowledged in Forbes and TED Talk, et cetera. So talk to me about the mindset and some of the choices you had to make between 19 and 29 to yeah. overcome these obstacles and get to where you are. So on the mindset stuff, for, for me, it's really important what my father told me when I was a kid, because he said that the U.S. is the land of opportunity, but it is up to us to find it. Mm-hmm. So that's very important because no matter what I knew since I was nine years old, that the U.S. was the land of opportunity, that everything that we might need is out there, but we just have to work hard for it. Mm-hmm. We have to work smart. We have to work hard, but it is out there. So I just knew that no matter what was out there, that there, there's always a way to achieve what we want. And one of the choices that I had to do, so it, it happened when uh, Obama passed the executive order called DACA. Mm-hmm. And that will allow dreamers like me who came under the age of 16, graduated high school, go through a background check to be able to work and drive. So I began applying for jobs and that's when I graduated from FSU and I got a job at General Motors to be a software developer. Mm-hmm. Now, what happened in that time, I read the book Rich Dad Poor Dad. Okay. And that book taught me two things, that we can work for active income and then or we can make our money work for us for passive income. Mm-hmm. So one of the choices that I did 
And by reading that book is I knew that in this country, like I can be wealthy, but it's going to take work and it's going to take the right mindset. Mm -hmm. And it's going to take sacrifices in the beginning because life is a marathon, not a sprint. Mm -hmm. So I made the choice of living below my means, despite what my friends were saying, Diego, why don't you have like a new car? Or why are you renting a room where you could, I could easily afford a condo downtown? I decided to reduce my expenses so that I could invest in real estate and having those choice, making those choices allowed me to be where I am today. Well, and that's very similar to my upbringing. My parents are also immigrants from Eastern Europe and, and they had a very similar mentality about money in terms of living below your means. And you know, I've heard many times from people who are you know, educators about wealth building talk about like, hey, job number one is you know, spend less than you make. You know, job number mm-hmm. two, make more money and, and then save enough so you can start investing them. And it sounds so simple and obvious, and it is. And yet there's a reason why, you know, the average net worth of, of most Americans is about $15,000. And those with homes, their average net worth is the last time I checked the stat was around $180,000. So owning a home is clearly one of the critical definers of how someone can create more wealth in their life. But, Mm -hmm. you know, the vast majority of Americans have little to no net worth. And I think that's partially enhanced by the fact that so many Americans are uh, in a negative equity situation. They owe money. They Mm -hmm. don't, they don't have any net worth. So I'm not going to get into, uh, I'm not going to ask you to share specifics about your financial situation, but at 29 Mm -hmm. years old, are you making enough passive income to cover your expenses? I am almost there. I am almost there, which is awesome. So right now I I own 12 rental properties and they are based in Austin, in Tennessee and in Florida. Uh But the choice that I had to make or one of the pathways, when I was 24, I bought my first home and I decided to live with roommates so the rent will cover my mortgage payment. Right. In looking back, not having the opportunity to get into student loans and student debt because I couldn't get that because of my immigration status. Ended up being now a good it's a thing. blessing in disguise, right. right? Because I had to work my butt off to pay for school as you went. Pay for school, exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah, I mean, so, and, and school debt is a huge, a huge factor for people nowadays. Exactly, exactly. And what happened was by me living for free and having the rent payment cover my mortgage and also my car payment, I was able to have the choice of do I want to be in corporate America or do I want to pursue a career where it's not salary, but it is based on the efforts that, that I wanted to make. So that's what got me interested in being a realtor and going into real estate. But at this point, it was a choice that I could have made. It you had wasn't. The, you like, had the option. Yeah, I had the option, which it's it's a good thing because I'm putting myself in situations where I have options rather than acting from desperation. So, how did you overcome some of these challenges? So, you you know, you had to get a driver's license and and didn't quite mm-hmm. have the documentation that allowed you to do that easily. I'm assuming you have one now. You have a real estate license. That's not an easy thing. I know that there's quite a few hoops one anyone needs to jump through to get a real estate license. So how did you how did you manage all these things? Well, I just knew that 
there there is a process to to everything and for me i would say by surrounding yourself with people that want more out of life that instead of complaining are asking themselves the right questions like it's not oh i can't do it because of my status or i can't do it because of my situation but it's more how can i do it that's right and being in the being in the position where i was where i found myself that i couldn't work legally i asked myself how can i how would i be able to work and i found out that i could still open my own llc so i created my own company and began working as a contractor for small businesses nonprofits and i was doing their websites and it's even to to the point where a lot of people wouldn't have done what i did of like because i didn't have a car but i still wanted to set up appointments and go meet with clients I had to ride my bike miles and miles and miles with a suit in my backpack and a towel so that I could drive there in the Florida heat, dry off and go and meet my client. And people will be like, Diego, like, why are you doing this? But it was the only way that I could still pay my way through college and achieve my own version of the American dream. And knowing that no matter what, like riding a bike for four miles it is much easier than what my parents had to do to leave their whole family in Peru, all the sacrifices, my mom working at a gas station, filling up gas ice bags at five in the morning. Mm-hmm. Like that's hard. I, I fortunately, I just had to ride my bike a few miles, right? Yeah. So I wanted to make sure that the sacrifice that my parents did, that it was well worth it. And I highly believe in making all of these choices. I believe that we can either create excuses or achieve the life of our dreams. But if you don't have a strong enough why, that's the hard part. That is the, if people don't have enough, uh, strong enough why, they will create those excuses and give up easily. And I have to say too, when I met you at the GoBundance event a few years ago, I had a huge speech impediment. So I used to stutter. And I I still stutter now um, sometimes. But I had to grow over that fear and be able to, like, if you would have told me at the age of 16 years old or 15 that I would be sharing my story on a TEDx stage, I would have said, get out of here, you're lying. Because I used to skip the speech class. I used to skip classes so that I didn't have to You were so uncomfortable with it. Exactly. Well, I so so resonate with what you're saying and the the fact that few people would make the choice and the sacrifices that you made. What are some sacrifices you feel like you're making now? I would say right now, hmm, that's a good question. So for example, I'm making some pretty good income and uh, I haven't bought, like I still have a computer that's like three years old. I only upgraded my 2009 Honda Civic uh, I only upgraded it two years ago or last year. Yeah. So I bought it last year. Right. And so I would say keeping my expenses low has been in. So I have the mindset too that I do not want to have a huge lifestyle by decreasing the big life that I want to have. Because what happens is a lot of people would have easily have gone to live in downtown Austin, have really nice furniture. For me, it was more important to be able to afford like traveling to Florida, 
once every two weeks or something to see my family or going to a Tony Robbins event and invest my money there rather than buying stuff. So for some people, it might look like I'm sacrificing a lot, but at the end of the day, I am very happy with what I've been able to accomplish. Awesome. I love that. Have you ever heard of a, a podcast called The Minimalist? I have heard of it, but I haven't listened to any of the podcasts. Yeah, it's, wor- it's, it's worth, worth listening to. Maybe I'll ask them if they'll uh, promote my podcast on their show now, but it's worth yeah. listening to. It's very much within the mindset of what you're talking about, as well as a book that maybe you've read called uh, The Millionaire Next Door. Yes, yes, for so, sure. So both that podcast and that book are kind of very much in the, in the framework. So, so you're 29, you know, you've come through some challenges. You've had a very like winning mindset from my perspective. Where do you want to go? What's, what's, what's on the horizon for you? What do you want to accomplish? So now that I've been speaking more, my story. So once I share my story on social media, which was something that I did in 2017, that's when that post went viral. Mm -hmm. And since then, I've been able to share my story in different stages in Forbes, entrepreneur.com. So I've gotten a lot of people that have asked me, hey, Diego, how can I do what you've been able to do as a millennial or in your 20s? So now I'm gearing more towards not just selling real estate as a realtor, but helping people invest in real estate or create some sort of financial independence, not just in Austin, but all over the US, right. especially the, the immigrant community, which they feel like they have had a lot of obstacles. And also the millennials that are Americans, I'm like, listen, if I could do it with not being able to work or drive at the age of 22, by 27, I had 10 properties. Anybody could do it is just being determined enough, being able to persevere and overcome some of the sacrifices, right? Because it's not easy. What is the most common objection you hear? So like if you're speaking to a group of millennials and talking to them about building wealth and whatnot, what's Mm -hmm. the most common hand that goes up and says, you know, that sounds great, but. Yes. Um, They are. Okay. So I believe one of the things is that they are attached to the lifestyle that they had while they live with their parents. Mm -hmm. So for example, if they're renting a house, they will still manage to have three or four TVs in their home because that's how they grew up, right? Because they like to keep that lifestyle. I feel like that is the problem. And in college, if you live like a poor college student your first two years of having a full-time job in corporate America, you will be totally fine. What happens is as soon as they graduate college, they buy the new car. Like I was working at General Motors and people that were 23, 24 were buying the new Corvettes, the new Cadillacs. I'm like, listen, like you do not need a $700, $800 car payment yeah. So I so, feel so like, it's really just living under your means, kind of back again yeah. to one of your original principles in terms of building yeah. wealth. It's just living yeah. beneath your means. Well, and yeah. it, it's definitely true. I mean, yeah, I I, uh, I see that all the time. I have friends that you know, as you know, uh, varying degrees of success, and some people that are mm-hmm. highly successful financially, but they might be living in a, a living a lifestyle that is 
mm-hmm. stretching their very well-paid income, but it's still stretching them to the point where it causes them stress. And if they were to downgrade their lifestyle a tiny bit, they'd be getting exactly. ahead more and have less stress. Yeah. So I totally, yeah. totally appreciate that. Yeah. And I would say that not caring, like if people care too much about what other people think, they are not going to get as far as they really want to want to get to. And Dave Ramsey has a great quote that says, if you live for two years, like most people don't, you can live for the rest of your life. Like most people won't. Uh-huh. Um, and that for me really, really stood out because at the end of the day, it becomes to what choices can you do today for the next two years that for the next 10 years, you, people will think that, that they wouldn't be able to get to. And I also believe that if they chunk stuff down, sometimes they're, they overthink and they overestimate, they underestimate what they can do in like 10, 10 years, right? But like, if you were to tell me, Diego, I don't know how I will be able to get to 5000 or $10,000 a month in passive income. I'm like, don't think about that right now. Just think on how in the next 24 months or 12 months, how can you get to $500 in passive income? Mm-hmm. Just chunk it down and then build off from, from there. Yeah, that's very true. So tell me, uh, when you look at some of the clear decisions that you've made, particularly you know since you've been an adult, so let's say the last 10 years, what decisions do you regret, if any? And, and what decisions surprised you in terms of the outcome that they provided you? Hmm. Yeah. What decisions do I regret? That is a good one. One does come up, but it has to do like I couldn't do anything about it. The one thing that I regret is I wish that I could have gone to to study for a semester in Spain or in France, mm-hmm. but I can't leave the country, I right? See. So it's sort of like, that's what I wish I could have done. I, I can't say I regret it because I didn't have the opportunity. But that's one of the things that, that I wish I would have had. So that's something that feels like a missing. So are you, are, you allow, are you not allowed now to travel or leave the country? I mean, you can travel yes, within. I, am not, I can travel within the U.S., but I cannot leave. And if I leave, I can come back in for 10 years. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. <laughs> so you've, yeah. you've seen a lot of the country then, I assume. I have. I have. And especially now since I'm speaking a little bit more. It has been a great experience. So uh, often in my interviews, I, I bring in a quote to kind of get mm-hmm. your reaction to it. So because uh, wealth building and helping others build wealth is important to you, I found a quote that I thought might resonate with you. So tell me, tell me your reaction to this quote. It's simple arithmetic. Your income can grow only to the extent that you grow. Mm, that, is, that is definitely on point. That is definitely on point. And it, it really, it, that quote reminds me of what Jim Rohn says, that your level of success will seldom exceed your level of personal development. Right, exactly. And I'm a big believer of first you have to become the person that achieves financial freedom and then you can take action on it. It comes to you later. Because if not, you can, people will say, oh, I want to be financially independent or financially free. I give them a million dollars they will lose it in a year if they don't have the right mindset. Right. I totally agree. So what was the second question that you asked? You asked me, what is one thing that I regret? Yeah. The second question was, what decision or choice have you made 
that mm-hmm. that the result of which really surprised you or wasn't what you expected? Yes. And that is the decision that I made or an action was sending a tweet to a guy named Pat Hyben that after I listened to a podcast, I had no idea that sending that tweet will change my life in such a huge way. But after sending that tweet, I found out about a mastermind group that I was able to, to attend an event two months later. And then from there, I was 23 at that time, found myself in a room of 10 millionaires, and my life changed right after that. To the point where two weeks later, I was in a private plane with one of my mentors. And I would have no, I had no idea that going to that event will change my life in that way. Like going from not even able to work or drive to a year and a half later being a private plane, I was not. I love that. I love, I love that because it, it teaches a lot of lessons. You know, one, it is, is to not be afraid to ask and raise your hand. Two, to aim high. Three, to seek out a mentor. I mean, that was one of the critical things I think in my life throughout is that I have always been unafraid to ask people who I admired or who I thought knew more than me or who were in a place that I wanted to go. Um, I was never, have never been afraid to ask for guidance and help. And so look what that one raising of your hand did and where it led you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And you also have to make sure like when you get the opportunity to talk to a mentor or to get a mentor that you take action on, on the things that they teach you on the things that they are, that they're telling you that shows you what works because I could like, as an example, I could have easily, like, if I didn't take any action on anything that they told me, I wouldn't be where I am today. But the, the only thing that set me apart was that I did everything that they told me. If they said, Diego, you should go to Tony Robbins, I was there. If they said, take a speaking class because we can help you become a better speaker, I was there, right? So it was, it was all about putting myself in situations where I did get uncomfortable, but I was able to grow. And I leveraged their experience of what would have taken them 5, 10, 20 years so that it can take me two years. So you've talked a lot about personal growth, and I picked a quote that had something to do with personal growth as well. When you look at the things you've done, whether it's Tony Robbins or the networking group that you mentioned, et cetera, what would you say are some of the biggest changes or the biggest change that you've made as an adult in terms of your growth? One of the biggest change has been, so there's two, there's two things. One of them has definitely been investing into, into being in the right group of people. Uh-huh. Invest in like increasing your tribe. You have to understand that as uh, Jim Rohn also says, right? He says, you are the average of the five people you surround yourself with. So I'm always in the, from the position, like, what can I do so that I am in a room of people that are focused on, that have the, the, the mentality that they want to grow, where it's the norm to talk about goals, not about going to happy hour and complaining about your boss, but it's more, what can we do to achieve the life of our dreams? What are your goals in 2020? Like, if you go to a room and they ask you, how much did your passive income increase? And they like in the last six months, and that's the norm, you're going to be taking action on your passive income because if not, you're not going to fit in that group. Yeah, you're surrounding so, yourself with people who are 
going yeah. to a higher level in the area that you want to improve on yourself. So I want to switch gears a little bit and talk a little bit about your process around decisions and choices. How much would you say when you're making a critical choice, like a critical choice would be, hey, I'm going to leave the corporate world and go start my own business, mm-hmm. or I'm going to invest in my first property. Those are critical choices. How much of those choices are logical and follow a, a system, if you will, mm-hmm. versus intuition and gut? I would say, I would have to say it's like 50-50 because my intuition and gut is what gets me started. I feel. And like, at least on my end, that's what helped me get started in which like, I read the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And I had that feeling like, I'm like, I can do this mm-hmm. on my, I can do this. Or by the time that I was about to quit corporate America is like, I know that I can do this and I will be okay. But because I either had the systems in place to still continuing to make income or also in leveraging the experiences of others. So I put myself in a position where I was working as a realtor part-time before I quit corporate America. So it wasn't that I didn't just drop everything that I was doing and I took off and doing something else. So I'm a person that takes calculated risks. And fortunately, those calculated risks have, have worked out pretty well. Of course, I lost money in some deals and other stuff. But Taking action and maybe not not hitting a hundred percent of your goals is better than not taking action and hitting zero percent of what your potential can be. So I say it starts with the gut. It starts with that feeling, and then I find other people that have done it so that I can do it the right way. I love it. Perfect. That's the kind of insight I want the audience to hear. So um, this doesn't have to be a financial mistake, but like when you look at some of your recent choices. Is there, mm-hmm. are there any that you're like, oh, that was, that was a horrible choice. Whether you lost money on a deal or it was tr- trusting a person or putting energy into something like you, you know, I don't want to shake yeah. your answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was a horrible choice? I would say it, it wouldn't be a horrible choice, but I may like, I lost some money in a deal, but I learned that in the future, I'm not going to do this ever again. So as an example, I bought a duplex that I never saw or anything like that. Uh, but we trusted the some of the systems that we put in place. We bought it and the the home, nobody had lived in that home for a couple of years. I will never buy a home like that ever again. You'll never buy, never buy something sight unseen. Not just sight and scene, but a home that nobody has lived there for a few years because you don't know what may have been gone with the problem with the plumbing after people take five showers. So that is one of the things that I, that's a lesson. But I consider it a lesson. It wasn't something that I failed. Well, right? because- you know, not that anyone ever wants to lose money, but mm-hmm. you know, there, if I look over the course of my business career, you know, I'm sure I've lost hundreds of thousands of dollars with bad real estate deals mm-hmm. or, you know, trusting someone I shouldn't have trusted or whatever it is. But in yeah. the scope of my, the, in the accounting book of my life over, you know, I'm 54 years old. So over 30 some years of being a business person, you know, to have made a couple of deals that you lost money on in the scope mm-hmm. of things, that's just part of it. It's like sports. Like sometimes you throw an interception or you, yeah. you, fumble, you fumble the football every once in a while, you can still win the game. 
even if you exactly. throw the, even if you throw that interception. So I, I can sometimes be hard on myself for those mistakes, and I'm sure you mm-hmm. probably weren't happy with yourself about that mm-hmm. mistake. And yet, like you said, there's a great lesson in it, and it it, it just informs who you are in this case as an investor moving forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I would say too that a lot of people, for example. Um, one thing that has separated me is like I've made the choice that I need to go up there and bat whether I like I just want to get to the first base or second base get again to first base rather than wait until I get a home run because if not I get a lot of analysis paralysis right and I believe that if people just take some kind of action they'll either win or they'll learn something and then you will not make that mistake again hopefully absolutely so you've been doing a lot of speaking and I'm curious as you prepared for that and and continue Mm -hmm. to prepare for more talks, what are the things that you're looking internally at that you can bring to your audiences? Like what, what is important for you to develop in yourself to bring to your audiences? For me is to take, take people on a ride with my speech if I can make them laugh. So Sean Stevenson, who just passed away. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I regret, that this is a great one. I wish that I could have hired him to be my speaking coach earlier. I was at an event earlier in August. I paid so that he could coach me. And then he passed away. Mm. And he was one of the guys that I literally, I went to him and I'm like, listen, I feel like you're a Steve Jobs. I'm like, here, just take my money. I want to learn from you. I have peace within me that you're the right person. And unfortunately, he passed away. Mm. And uh, I had a lot of uh, expectations of how much I would be. Able, I would have learned from from him. Mm-hmm. So I just wished, and that's one of the things that I regret. I wish I hired him a year before or something. Well, now, now you have to be on a mission to find that next mentor around your, exactly. your speaking career, um, yeah. since that's yeah. something that's important. And it's pretty amazing. Yeah. I, I have to give you kudos you know, for someone. My wife is a speech pathologist, and so oh, she, nice. she works with stutterers as one aspect of her work. And so the fact that you had that challenge and now you're public speaking is uh, just huge kudos to you. Like that's a Thank That's you. a big, big thing to overcome. Some people who have no speech impediment are still terrified of public speaking. Uh, I, re- yeah. I, I think yeah. I read that people are more afraid. Uh, some people are more afraid of public speaking than they are of significant illnesses. So, <laughs> For sure. For sure. But in, in answering your, your question, what I like doing in, in my speech and one of the things that Sean Stevenson said is like, if you can make them laugh, cry, or make them rethink their life, exactly, you have a great speech. And so in my, in my, whether it is a 12 minute speech in my TEDx talk or in my, or in my hour keynote that I have now, I try to take him in that journey mm-hmm. from the journey that I have them laughing. There is some, some, something to laugh at he, here or there. I make them cry at some point, or it might not be a tearjerker, but I make them really like feel it. Sure. Um, and then in the rethinking their, their life, I always tell them um, that they need to have a strong enough why. And that particular why will help them leave that room and be like, if I can get them to, once they leave their room, ask themselves, what is my why that's going to help me not create excuses, but rather live 
to what I want to accomplish, I feel like I've done my job. So Diego, what's your why? My why is my parents. That is definitely the strong why. It's in showing them that no matter what sacrifices they have done, that it's totally worth it. One of them is because my my mom still she cannot leave the country. She hasn't been able to see her dad in the last 20 years. And because the United States knows that my grandpa's over there, they are not giving him a visa. So when you really think about it, it's like, okay, my mom has chosen to allow my brother and I to have an amazing life. And for her, she's sacrificed not seeing her father, who they were very close. For many, many years. Yeah. That for me is like, man, I can, I can ride my bike for five miles, 10 miles without an issue, right? Yeah. So simple question. Do you, do you miss anything about Peru? Just uh, my, my family. And I would say like, once I go back to Peru, I'm definitely going to hang out with my family and then go see Machu Picchu. Ah, there you go. So you've, you've mentioned again, your, your talk quite a bit. Is there anything from your talk that you feel like we haven't addressed here that would be important to make sure the audience hears? I would say I share my story, but the one thing that I believe has set me apart, and I talk about this on the TEDx talk, is that I have the mindset that if the door of opportunity is closed, I go through the window. Mm -hmm. And it's that mindset that no matter what has stopped me from getting to where I want to go, I find the opportunity. I find the next solution, option B, option C, option D. And I believe that if people will have that mindset and apply it, they would be able to to be more resourceful. And that is a skill that I would say I have now, but it's because of the situations that I've been through. Got it. I love that. So um, this has been fantastic. I uh, in In wrapping up our conversation today, I would ask, is there, is there any final either words of wisdom or anything about your choices or your process in making choices that you want to share with the audience? Yes, I would say, I would say this. You have to be happy with the life that you have as you're building the life of your dreams. And this is something that I heard from Hal Elrod, but it changed my life because I heard this in 2014, but I realized that that's how I lived my entire life. Because I mean, in those times where things were tough, where I couldn't drive or I couldn't find a ride here or there, I have to really be grateful for what I have. I have my health. I'm in a country where there's a lot of opportunity. I have a roof over my head. So at the end of the day, being happy and grateful with what you have as you are trying to achieve your goals, that is what allows you to also enjoy the journey and be happy. Yeah. I agree 100%. I feel that gratitude is really one of the highest places we can all resonate. And it, mm-hmm. and, and it just, uh, it always gives you the perspective I think that you need. So I am grateful, speaking of gratitude, to you speaking uh, on my show today. Uh, You brought a lot of value to the listeners. And I will make sure that on my website, I post your TED Talk so that that listeners can uh, take a look at that as well. So very inspiring, only 29 years old. You've accomplished a ton. Can't wait to see what what the next few years bring. And uh, I really appreciate you being on the show. So thank you very much, Rob. 
Thank you so much, listeners. Uh, next week, we'll have yet another fantastic guest. And I appreciate you tuning in to Clear Choices. Take care. Thank you so much for joining us. If you've been inspired and motivated by what you heard today, please subscribe to the show so you don't miss an episode. Post it on social media, invite friends, and let me know if you have any potential guests. While you're there, leave us a review. We'd love to connect with you as well, so check out our Facebook page by searching Clear Choices. I'm available for speaking engagements, and you can find more information by visiting our website at clearchoices.live. And all this can be found in our show notes. Join us next week for more inspiring stories that can help us all make clear choices. Thanks for listening.